0: Section 32 of the Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. The Natural History, Volume 4, by Pliny the Elder, translated by John Vostok and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 32, Chapters. Fifty-three through sixty-two. Chapter fifty-three: The Poppy. There are certain plants which are grown in company with others. The poppy, for instance, sown with cabbages and purslane, and rocket with lettuce. Of the cultivated poppy, there are three kinds. The first being the white poppy, the seed of which, parched and mixed with honey, used to be served up in the second course of the tables of the ancients at the present day too the country people sprinkle it on the upper crust of their bread making it adhere by means of the yolk of eggs the under crust being seasoned with parsley and gift, dyed in the flavour of the flour the second kind is the black poppy from which upon incision being made in the stalk, a milky juice distils and the third is that known to the greeks by the name of roas and by us as a wild poppy this last grows spontaneously But in fields more particularly which have been sown with barley it bears a strong resemblance to rocket grows to the height of a cubit and bears a red flower which quickly fades it is to this flower that it is indebted for its greek name as to the other kinds of poppies which spring up spontaneously we shall have occasion to speak of them when treating of the medicinal plants that the poppy has always been held in esteem among the romans We have a proof in the story related of Tarquinius Superbus, who, by striking down the tallest poppies in his garden, surreptitiously conveyed, unknown to them, his sanguinary message through the envoys who had been sent by his son. Chapter 54 Other Plants Which Required to be Sown at the Autumnal Equinox There are some other plants, again, which require to be sown together at the time of the Autumnal Equinox. Coriander, for instance anise, orage, mallows, apathum, chervil, known to the greeks as pateros, and mustard, which has so pungent a flavour that it burns like fire, though at the same time it is remarkably wholesome for the body. This last, though it will grow without cultivation, is considerably improved by being transplanted, though on the other hand it is extremely difficult to rid the soil of it when once sown there, the seed when it falls germinating immediately. This seed, when cooked in a saucepan, is employed even for making ragouts. this pungency being rendered imperceptible by boiling. The leaves, too, are boiled just the same as those of other vegetables. There are three different kinds of mustard, the first of a thin, slender form, the second with a leaf like that of the rape, and the third with that of the rocket. The best seed comes from Egypt. The Athenians have given mustard the name of Nappy, others, stapsi, and others again Saurion. Chapter 55 Wild Thyme Cisambrium Most mountains abound with wild thyme and cicembrium, Those of Thrace, for example, where branches of these wild plants are torn up and brought away for planting. So, too, the people of Sisson seek for wild thyme in their mountains, and the Athenians on the slopes of Hymettus. Cisambrium, too, is planted in a similar manner. It grows to the greatest perfection upon the walls of wells and around fish preserves and ponds chapter fifty six four kinds of ferulaceous plants the other garden plants are of the ferulaceous kind such as fennel for instance very grateful to serpents as already stated and used for numerous seasonings when dry thapsia too which bears a close resemblance to fennel and already mentioned by us when speaking of the exotic shrubs Then, too, there is hemp, a plant remarkably useful for making ropes, and usually sown after the west winds have begun to prevail. The more thickly it is sown, the thinner are the stalks. The seed is gathered when ripe just after the autumnal equinox, and is dried by the agency of the sun, the wind, or smoke. The hemp itself is plucked just after vintage time, and is peeled and cleaned by the labourers at night. The best hemp is that of Alabanga which is used more particularly for making hunting nets and of which there are three varieties the hemp which lies nearest the bark or the pith is the least valuable while that which lies in the middle and hence has the name of mesa is the most esteemed the hemp of the mylasa occupies the second rank with reference to the size to which it grows that of the rosea in the sabine territory equals the trees in height we have already mentioned two kinds of fennel giant when speaking of the exotic shrubs the seed of it is used in Italy for food. The plant, too, admits of being preserved, and if stored in earthen pots, will keep for a whole year. There are two parts of it that are used for this purpose, the upper stalks and the umbrils of the plant. This kind of fennel is sometimes known by the name of corumbia, and the parts preserved for called corumbii. Chapter 57, The Maladies of Garden Plants. The garden plants, too, like the rest of the vegetable productions, are subject to certain maladies thus for instance osimum when old degenerates into wild thyme and cisumbrium dement while the seed of an old cabbage produces rape and vice versa cumin too if not kept well code is killed by humidorum a plant with a single stalk a root similar to a bulb in appearance and never found except in thin meager soil besides this cumin is liable to a particular disease of its own the Osimum too, turns pale at the rising of the dog star. All plants indeed will turn of a yellow complexion on the approach of a woman who has menstrual discharge upon her. There are various kinds of insects too that breed upon the garden plants, fleas for instance upon turnips, and caterpillars and maggots upon radishes, as well as lettuces and cabbages, besides which the last two are exposed to attacks of slugs and snails. The leek too is infested with particular insects of its own, which may very easily be taken, however, by laying dung upon the plants, the insects being in the habit of burrowing into it. Sabinus Tiro says in his book entitled Cheperica, which he dedicated to Maecenas, that it is not advisable to touch rue, canela, mint, or osimum with any implement of iron. Chapter 58. The proper remedies for these maladies. How ants are best destroyed the best remedies against caterpillars and flies. The same author recommends as a remedy against ants, which are by no means the slightest plague in the garden that is not capable of water, to stop up the mouths of their holes with sea-slime or ashes. But the most efficient way of destroying them is with the aid of the plant heliotropium. Some persons, too, are of the opinion that water in which an unburnt brick has been soaked is injurious to them. The best protection for turnips is to sow a few fitches with them, and for cabbages, chickpeas. These have the effect of keeping away caterpillars. If, however, this precaution should have been omitted, and the caterpillars have already made their appearance, the best remedy is to throw upon the vegetables a decoction of wormwood, or else of house leaf, known to some of us as isum, the kind of herb already mentioned by us. If cabbage seed before it is sown, is steeped in the juice of house-leek the cabbages it is said are sure not to be attacked by any insect it is said too that all caterpillars may be exterminated if the skull of a beast of burden is set upon a stake in the garden care being taken to employ that of a female only there is a story related too that a river crab hung up in the middle of the garden is a preservative against the attacks of caterpillars Again, there are some persons who are in the habit of touching with slips of blood-red cornel, such plants as they may wish to preserve from caterpillars. Flies, too, infest well-watered gardens, and more particularly so if there happen to be any shrubs there. They may be got rid of, however, by burning galbanum. With reference to the deterioration to which the seed is subject, there are some seeds which keep better than others, such, for instance, as that of coriander, beet, leeks, cresses, mustard, rocket, cunilla, nearly all of the pungent plants in fact. The seed on the other hand of orage, osimum, gourds, and cucumbers is not so good for keeping. All the summer seeds too last longer than the winter ones. The scallion seed is the very worst for keeping of them all. But of those even which keep the very longest there is none that will keep beyond four years, for growing purposes at least. For culinary purposes they are fit for use beyond that period. Chapter 59. What Plants Are Benefited By Salt Water? A particular remedy for maladies to which radishes, beet, rue, and crunilla are subject is salt water, which has also the additional merit of conducing very materially to their sweetness and fertility. Other plants, again, are equally benefited by being watered with fresh water, the most desirable for the purpose of being that which is the coldest and sweetest to drink. Pond and drain water, on the other hand, are not so good, as they are apt to carry the seeds of weeds along with them. It is rain, however, that forms the principal element plants, in addition to which it kills the insects that develop themselves upon them. Chapter 60 The proper method of watering gardens. The proper times for watering are morning and the evening, to prevent the water from being heated by the sun. With the sole exception, however, of a cinnamon, which requires to be watered at midday, indeed this plant it is generally thought will grow with additional rapidity if it is mortared with boiling water when sown. All plants would transplant and grow all the better and larger for it leeks and turnips more particularly. Transplanting, too, is attended with certain remedial effects and acts as a preservative to certain plants such as scallions, for instance, leeks, radishes, parsley, lettuces, rape, and cucumbers. All the wild plants are generally smaller in the leaf and stalk than the cultivated ones. And have more acrid juices, cornilla, wild margarine, and rue, for example. Indeed, it is only the lephathum that is better in a wild state than cultivated. In its cultivated state, it is the same plant that is known to us as the rumex, being the most vigorous by far of all the plants that are grown. So much so, indeed, that it is said that when it has once taken root, it will last forever, and can never be extirpated from the soil, or particularly if water happens to be near at hand its juices which are employed only in systems as an article of food have the effect of imparting to them a softer and more exquisite flavour the wild variety is employed for many medicinal purposes so true it is that the careful research of man has omitted nothing that i have even met with a poem in which i find it stated that if pellets of goat's dung the size of a bean are hollowed out and the seed of leeks rocket lettuces parsley endive and cresses is inserted in them and then so the plants will thrive in a marvellous degree plants in a wild state it is generally thought are more dry and acrid than when cultivated chapter sixty one the juices and flavors of garden herbs this too reminds me that i ought to make some mention of the difference between the juices and flavors of the garden herbs a difference which is more perceptible here than in the fruits even in canola for instance wild margarine cresses and mustard the flavor is acrid in wormwood and centauri bitter in cucumbers gourds and lettuces watery and in parsley anise and fennel pungent and odoriferous. the salt flavour is the only one that is not to be found in plants with the sole exception indeed of the chickling vetch though even then it is found to be on the exterior surface only of the plant in the form of a kind of dust which settles there chapter sixty two piperitis and Smyrnium. Come to a full understanding, too, both here as elsewhere, how unfounded are the notions which are generally entertained. I shall take this opportunity of remarking that Panax has the flavor of pepper, and Silicostrum even more so, a circumstance to which it owes its name, Piperitus. Libanotus, again, has just the odor of frankincense, and Smyrnium of myrrh. As to Panax, we have spoken of it at sufficient length already. The grows in a thin crumbly soil and is generally sown in spots exposed to the falling dews. The root, which is just like that of a Lusatrum, has a smell in no way differing from that of Frankincense. When a year old, it is extremely wholesome for the stomach. Some persons give it the name of Rosemyrinium. Smyrnium is a garden herb that grows in similar soils and has a root which smells like myrrh. Siliquostrum, too, is grown in a similar manner. Other plants, again, differ from the preceding ones, both in smell and taste. Anise, for example, indeed so great is the difference in this respect and their relative virtues that not only are the properties of each modified by the other, but quite neutralized even. It is in this way that our cooks correct the flavor of vinegar in their dishes with parsley, and our butlers employ the same plant in sachets for removing a bad odor in wine. Thus far, then, we have treated of the garden plants, viewed as articles of food only. It remains for us now, for up to the present we have only spoken of the various methods of cultivation, with some succinct details relative thereto. To enlarge upon the more elaborate operations of nature in this respect, it is quite impossible to come to a full understanding as to the true characteristics of each individual plant, without a knowledge of its medicinal effects, the sublime and truly mysterious manifestation of the wisdom of the deity than which nothing can possibly be found of a nature more elevated. It is upon principle that we have thought proper not to enlarge upon the medicinal properties of each plant when treating of it, for it is a quite different class of persons that is interested in knowing their curative properties, and there is no doubt that both classes of readers would have been inconvenienced in a very material degree if these two points of view had engaged our attention at the same moment. As it is, each class will have its own portion to refer to, while those who desire to do so Will experience no difficulty in uniting them with reference to any subject of which we may happen to treat. Summary, remarkable facts, narratives, and observations. One thousand one hundred and forty-four. Roman authors quoted: Machius Plautus, M. Varro, Disilanus, Cato the Censor, Hyginus, Virgil, mucinius Celsus. Colamella, Calpurnius Bassus, Mamilius Sura, Sabinius Tiro, Licinius Macer, Quintus Hertius, Babius Rufus, Cessanius, who wrote the Siporica, Cestritus, who wrote on the same subject, Firmus, who wrote on the same subject, Petricus, who wrote on the same subject. Foreign authors quoted, Herodotus, Theophrastus, Democritus, Aristomachus, Menander who wrote the Beocresto, and Nixilus. End of section thirty two.